Um, I want to begin, friends, by inviting you to stand up with us, and we're going to do a, a responsive prayer to, to, to gather us together. It can be uh, a challenge every Sunday, but especially around the, the holidays like today uh, for us to really get focused, and we end up kind of stumbling into church, and really the worship of the Lord is something that we almost need to do like warm-up exercises for. We don't want to just sort of stumble into the presence of God and uh, still be thinking about all kinds of other stuff. It's understandable, but we want to, part of why we gather together is to encourage one another, almost like at the beginning of a workout or a class. Okay, we all here? We all ready? We all ready to like go through this together and, and to, to sort of embrace that um, as, as, a, as a community? And so the, the church historically has, um, has just this wealth of prayer and call because we recognize, the church has recognized our need to kind of elevate our thinking, to elevate our hope, to be reminded of faith. And so we don't have to sort of conjure this up by ourselves. We can kind of fall into the arms of the faithfulness of others and be carried by words that are beautiful and rich and really kind of inspire us to a, a higher place. And so that's our heartbeat behind this. Let's read this. It's like a prayer and we'll read it back and forth. I'll do the first part. Please join Sandy in the response, and uh, we'll begin our gathering like this today. And so, are we gathered here, uniquely in all of history, we particular people in this singular time and place? Accomplish your purposes among us, O oh God. Tune our hearts to the voice of your Spirit. Wake us to be present to you and to one another in these shared hours we are given. For it is you, O Lord, who have so gathered us from various places. And you alone who know our hearts and our needs. Among us are some who arrive anxious, some who are lonely, some who suffer pain and sorrow. May we in our joys find grace to enter the sorrows of others. Among us are some who arrive rejoicing, hearts made light by good news, good health, glad anticipation. May we in our sorrows find grace to embrace the joys of others. Let us prize these moments and care for one another deeply for each of us and our relationships to one another are precious and fleeting. Amen. Let us prize these moments and care for one another deeply, for each of us and our relationships to one another are precious and eternal. Amen. And on gathering, O Spirit of God, grant each of us a place to humbly receive and to faithfully serve that we might know in this brief gathering a foretaste of that great communion yet to come. O Father, enlarge our hearts. O Spirit, expand our vision. O Christ, establish your kingdom among us. Be at work even now, O Lord. May your will in us in these hours be accomplished. Amen. Amen. So friends, we come to the end of one year, 2017. We peek into the beginning of another. And what we want to do this morning together is take some time to reflect 
I'd like to use Psalm 95 as a guide for our reflection. Psalm 95 is a psalm of perspective. It's a prayer. It's a call that really invites us to have a bigger perspective on reality. And this is a time in our culture, right, where we're sort of leaning in that direction of needing perspective and imagining what's coming next. And so we'll take this psalm a short piece at a time, and then we'll do what it says to do. All right? So we'll begin like this. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Let us extol him with music and song. God bless you. Let's worship the Lord together. So grateful for that, uh, that truth. You know, there's all kinds of things happening in our culture right now. This big review, everybody's got their top 10 list or whatever. Remember this that happened this year. And it's interesting to listen for what people are placing their hope in, Right? placing their hope in like an improved political scenario or placing their hope in some sort of uh, some sort of like hope that humanity will somehow evolve into a more human sort of uh, reality or some sort of hope that maybe our team won't lose the world series this year like we did this year um, some sort of like hope in something that you know is is less than and I'm I'm just grateful there's no superiority in this at all. There's no like, hey, our hope's better than your hope. I'm simply grateful that I can place my hope in the glory of God, right? I can look to him and know that what, what awaits me, what is calling me forward, what is available to me even now is a reality that is just so far beyond and more than uh, anything that I'm going to try to conjure up on my own, anything I'm going to try to tap into more strategically, but it's this constant... Um, beautiful, life-giving reality of the presence of God. Right? So, so that's where we place our hope, and that's the invitation, to place our hope in, in God this morning. Whether we're coming in, as we said in the call to worship, from a place of, of, of rejoicing, or we're coming in to this gathering or to this new year um, from a, a place of real sorrow and disappointment and grief. Uh, I want to lead us through a time of reflection this morning based in the 95th Psalm. I'll reread what we started with and then kick us into the, the next section. The writer begins like this, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. I think it's really interesting that the calls to worship in Scripture are not, let's think all the right thoughts. Let's hold to orthodox belief. Um, no, it's, it's, um, it's uh, what's the word? It's experiential. It's participatory. It's uh, exclamate. It's whatever. We're, thank you. We're, we're, we're trying to like, call our whole selves into worship, right, through what we say and what we do, and so many times uh, through song, through song. Um, many of us rarely sing outside of in this place on Sunday morning. Sometimes I think the hardest part for me, or I imagine the hardest part in, for my friends who are not Christian or who are not part of the church to come into this kind of experience will be the singing, because we don't sing in our culture very, very much, but there's something really powerful about about the, the vulnerability, uh, the transparency, the whole sort of mind, body, soul experience that happens through very little other than through song. The writer continues in verse 3 of Psalm 95, for the Lord is, is the great God. Like, why should we sing? For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, 
and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry ground. So with this sort of soaring uh, beginning of this psalm are these statements of massive ownership, like it all belongs to God. It's like the author is reaching for the most extreme language he can think of to articulate the supremacy of God. God is above all. Everything is in his hand, right? Everything belongs to him because he made it all, right? And so our response continues in this way. Come, verse six, come, let us bow down in worship. And Daryl will even give us an opportunity to do this later this morning. Bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He hasn't just made the seas and the mountains. He's made us. He hasn't just breathed lives into trees. He's breathed life into us on a whole different spiritual level, right? He's given us life, right? He is our God. We're the people of his pasture. That's the analogy he chooses to use. We are the flock under his care. So the, the, the response to the idea or to the fact that God owns it all, that God made it all, that God holds it all, is to acknowledge God. That's the response, to acknowledge what he has done and to kneel before him, uh, to, to realize that not only has he made the world around us, but he, he's made us. Not only does everything belong to him, we also belong to him. He has cared for us like a shepherd cares for his sheep. So for our, um, I want to respond to that by reviewing the year a bit um, in terms of our church community, what we shared in common as a church. And I invite you also to think about it individually, what you and your family have shared as we look back over the year. In other words, and this isn't just a review for the sake of review, this is the review for the sake of recognizing and acknowledging all that God has given, all that God has done. That's why we're doing this. It's to remind us, I needed this. The, the weeks click by, I can't tell you what happens, you know, much before, a couple days before today, uh, it fades. And so it's such a powerful experience for us, I think, to review the pain, the loss, the victories, the joys of, of a season. Um, this last year, 2017, for us as a church, has, has just been a fantastic year. It has been like a highlight reel year for us. Many of you are new to the community in recent weeks, months, years, and I hope this will be helpful to give you kind of a perspective of what has happened here and, and what we've been able to experience. Many of you um, have been a part of this church for 12, 13 years, and I hope this encourages you because frankly, 2014, 2015, early part of 2016, we're kind of like, we were steady. We were like, let's, we're praying for something to break, something to give, right? We're, we were looking for uh, a vision for the next chapter and for provision for that vision. So um, it's with that kind of background that we come into 2017 and then experience it. And so I hope that reviewing it um, is, is really a powerful experience for you. This is just some of what's happened in the last 52 weeks among us. We kicked off the year in January, 2017, uh, Julie Carlisle joined our staff as our, as our kids minister, our kids director. And yeah, absolutely. We're all excited about that. I mean, I mean it's been so helpful. She and her husband joined our church several months prior to coming on staff, just came to support. Um, they are the types of people who show up and say, how can we serve? 
um, and I just am so grateful. There are many of you like that um, as well. We're here. How can we help? And she and Tony, who was here this morning, and now he's, he's serving with the kids, he's been like the bonus feature. Who knew he was coming with the deal? I thought that Tony was going to be like your, your supportive husband. Um, in fact, he's been that and so much more. He's been in the classrooms um, on Christmas Eve. He taught the third grade class both gatherings on Christmas Eve. I mean, there's just, it's just something special there, and uh, I'm super grateful for it. Uh, Julie has brought a passion and an excitement to ministering to kids that is off the chart. Um, she brings so much energy. She, her engagement with little kids is remarkable. If you have a kid in, in her class, you know what I'm talking about. She greets kids with, I'm so glad you're here. And uh, our kids are learning the scriptures and they're having fun doing it. And there are many of you who have served for years in the kids' ministry, and we're so thankful for that, so thankful for your investment in the children. And we want to continue to emphasize discipleship of kids. This is, boy, we can't, we can't miss that pitch, right? We've, we've, got to, we've got to do really well on this level. And so uh, I'm grateful for those who are willing, and it's challenging, and if, boy, if you if I say the wrong thing in a sermon, the ramifications are relatively minor. You, you, you say the wrong thing in a kid's ministry class, or, you know, it, it, there's a lot of criticism that's possible in that kind of a setting, because, boy, we're all like mama bears and papa bears when it comes to our kids. Um, so it's a challenging place to serve, and, um, and it's such an important place to serve. So if you see Julie, if you see Tony, if you've never met them, you should introduce yourselves, and, and I hope you'll say thank you. She has brought a massive gain to our, um, our staff team and to our ministry to kids, and we're super thankful uh, for her ministry among us. That was in January. Fast forward to March was when, in case you didn't know, March was when we moved into this building. Um, March 26th of 17 was our last Sunday at Foskett Ranch Elementary School. Many of you uh, worshiped with us there for years, um, and we moved over here after several weeks of kind of uh, being in, there was a church here, Summit Church was here. We were at the school, and we were, were kind of like, you know, crossing each other's paths during the month of March. And then April 2nd was when we moved into to this, to our, our new home. We left on March 26th, and literally that day, a bunch of people, many of you were there. You picked up the stuff from the school, put it in your trucks or the trailers, and you, you came over here and you, you filled in uh, this place. We, you know, we filled in that storage area that's over here. And there's people in that picture who had been to church two or three weeks. Wow. And they're like, we want to help step into the next chapter. And there's people in that picture who've been in this church uh, since they were born um, and, uh, and for you know, a decade or so. And I just am so grateful for the, um, for the we're all in kind of uh, approach to the move. It was um, a really encouraging time for us as a staff. And uh, it was a ton of work, but it all felt like it was being done out of gratitude and I'm so grateful for the relationship that we have with Summit Church, which is the church that owned this space before we bought it, and for the partnership that we've been able to enjoy with them, just as friends in the same town. I've preached there. Chris has preached at our church before. And uh, I just feel like the way that transition from one church to another of this historic theater happened was beautiful. And I'm, I'm frankly really proud of the church for the way that happened. And I, I you know, most people don't know the names on the building, they don't even remember it. They don't know what denominational differences are. And all they know is there's the church. And do they get along or not? 
Um, and I think that this was an example of where the church worked really well together. And I'm so thankful for that. And I hope that it gives glory to God and it communicates something meaningful to the culture. Um, our first Sunday was April 2nd. Uh, we met here. We met here for, we had our first time of having two gatherings, which is a, a big shift for us, maybe more behind the scenes than in reality. Many of you who have kind of settled in at the second gathering um, experienced that dynamic. The first, you know, it was, it's, a, it's a different dynamic at the nine o'clock. Not super different, but it's just been this, for the first time, we haven't all been in the same place at the same time. Um, and, uh, and so that's been an interesting thing to, to navigate. We dedicated this space to the glory of God. Uh, a couple weeks later, uh, people who are part of our church, kind of behind the scenes, were a part of that experience. Um, we're part of a network of churches called a district. The superintendent of that district, Steve Scott, was here. Uh, he, he prayed with us. Um, that morning, the next guy in the picture is a guy named Tim Hansen. He's the guy who led me to Jesus when I was 13 years old, still lives in Placer County, still serving middle school kids at a church in Auburn. And then the guy on the far left was a pastor who served the Nazarene church here in Lincoln in the 80s. And then it shut down, but they kept the money in a fund for a future work. And it was with that money that we were able to, to make a massive down payment on, on, this, on this theater, more than 50% of the cost of the theater was raised by them, this little church in the 80s. And, and so that was, a beautiful, that was a beautiful day. And uh, together we were able to say, this is all yours, Lord, and recognize those who have served uh, and have gone before us. All right, that was April. Um, also in April, April is a big month. Um, Angela Henning, who'd been volunteering with our high school kids for several years, uh, was, was sensing God leading her into a, a deeper commitment into serving the church as a minister. And um, that was a long and challenging process for her, as it should be, because there are unique joys and challenges in vocational ministry. And in April, at the meeting of all of the Nazarene churches in our area, which happens once a year, she was granted a district license. So she's a licensed minister within our network. That actually isn't the end of the process. That actually is just the beginning of a four to five year process that culminates in ordination, which is the lifelong kind of, uh, kind of um, trusting of the teachings of the church to a minister. And so that's the process that Angela's in right now. It's a discernment process. I think God is leading me in this way. I'm going to open my life up uh, in all kinds of ways to others who will speak into it and help me understand God's guidance in this, in this season of my life and potentially towards this role of being a pastor. Um, and in that process, Angela, not because of that, but right in, in, kind of in, co in uh, conjunction with that, uh, we were able to bring Angela on staff part-time to lead our high school ministry. So this is a really big deal for us in terms of our youth ministry, in terms of uh, coming alongside um, Angela and her family. Steve and Angela were the first couple to commit to Carmen and I <clears throat> in 2004 when we said we're going to go start this new church. And so it's been a joy to share this life with you and the last 13 years, and we're just so excited about this next season of your life. And we're grateful for your service to our high school and middle school kids. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if we should clap for her or warn her, right? Um, 
I'm so grateful for you, Angela. Okay, then this summer, 2017 summer, I was kind of concerned about the summer because the, we were right on the bubble in terms of do we need a second gathering or should we just stay with one? Uh, the first couple Sundays here, you know, we were really full in both gatherings. You can often tell if, if you go to either one. The second gathering, it turns out, has been a, a little bit lighter attended uh, or less attended than the nine. Um, but it's been a beautiful thing to be able to say to our kids' ministers specifically, you can serve during one gathering and you can come in and, and worship with us versus an either-or, which is the way it was for like 12 years. However, contrary to my expectations, we had a fantastic summer. In fact, it was way bigger. 2016, uh, we averaged more people during the summer than we'd ever averaged, 206 people. We're in a culture that takes off for the weekends during the summertime. Uh, at least to a large degree. And so often we do it, we have a real lull uh, in the summertime. But in 2017, just this last summer, we had a much larger group. And the thing that's beautiful about that isn't, because you rarely hear me talk about numbers, right, when it comes to attendance. It's just not that important to me in terms of like, we got to be big. But I, the reason this is a, a gift to me and a real blessing is because I know families that said, that recognized the position that we were in as a church, the vulnerable kind of early days in a new place, the need for all kinds of new volunteers out in the parking lot and the kids' ministry. And I know several families who just said, we're just going to postpone our summer vacations so that we can serve the church. And that was a real blessing to me because often it feels like, um, not so often for me, frankly, because we have such a beautiful team here. But um, summers especially can be very lonely times for pastors because you feel like everybody else is thinking about something else, right, and gone. Um, and I was so personally encouraged 13 years into this, this journey as a church to hear people still so focused on the health of this community that they were like, you know, we're going to stay here and we're going to serve all summer long um, and, and we'll go on vacation in the fall or whatever. I know not everyone can do that, but that was a blessing. So the, the, the strength of the summer was, was a positive to me and something I just really want to say, God, you gave us that. That was a gift from you. That's something that happened over the last year that we recognized. So I'm really thankful. One of the other things that happened over the summer was the strengthening of our youth ministries. As I mentioned, Angela joined our staff. Uh, one of the things that we have just gone all in on is a perspective or a philosophy of youth ministry that is just investing in relationships, right? We want our students to have the opportunities to build relationships with adults who will guide them into their faith, right? And, and walk with them through the journey of middle school and high school. In other words, we're not spending a lot of money on smoke machines and big bands and stuff like that. That's fine. That's okay. That, there's not a problem with that. That's the way our culture celebrates often. But instead, we're going on camping trips. We're taking trips to the beach with just a few kids. We're making sure that kids show up, that adults show up at kids' graduations. Because here's the bottom line, and here's the reality, friends. Statistics show, studies reveal, and they have for two generations, that successful or effective youth ministry, that is ministry that enables people to remain in the faith through this turbulent time called adolescence, it, it happens when two things happen. When there's a relational connection. As a kid, you need a relational connection with someone in the church, and you need a place to serve. You need to feel like this church actually needs me. I actually have a place in this church. That's what has sticking power. So a lot of the other stuff is fun and wonderful, and I'm not disparaging it. But we've put our resources toward a relational-focused youth ministry, and I'm grateful for that. And I hope that you, um, as families in the church, are seeing the power of that. And I hope that you'll participate even more in it, that you'll make yourself available. People are serving, volunteering, all these people volunteering with our kids. We need more 
We have people who are cooking meals for our kids because you know what? People eat and there's great conversations that happen around, around sharing meals. I'm really excited about our youth ministry and uh, the, the growth that's happening there. This spring, they're going to Mexico. Uh, we've got a relationship that we think is going to be a long-term relationship with an orphanage in Mexico. And there's just going to be some great opportunities for more relational work and um, opportunities to come alongside kids. We've got to do a great job in this area. All right, I think there's... Uh, good. Um, a couple other things that I want to say that I'm really thankful for and want to recognize together is that we have welcomed into our community a lot of new kids this year, 2017, through birth or through adoption. And uh, many of the parents of young kids come to the 9 o'clock because the kids are all napping now. Right, so the nine o'clock. Contrary to what I thought, I thought the young families would come to the eleven, but all the most of the young families come to the nine. So I'm not sure there are any of you here now. But if would you stand if if you had a new child join your family? Are there any of you here? I'm not seeing any that had a baby born or a new child join. Um, Greg, you guys had a baby. Yeah, would you stand up? We just want to pray for you. Uh, he's like, uh. Uh-uh. No, no, it's only embarrassing because you're the only one here, and it shouldn't be. Uh, no, but we want to pray for you, and we had several. We had this vision for adoption that kind of caught hold five, six years ago, and there's a lot of work that happened behind the scenes. That sort of come to fruition. Several families who have welcomed kids through adoption, Greg and his wife, uh, had their second son this year. So let's just pray for Greg and for all of the, all of the new families that um, welcome kids. Lord, we're grateful. The gift of life, um, the, the blessing of having these new children, and I know for the challenges that... Parenthood presents um, that we can pray for strength and wisdom for Candace and Greg and for the other families, those who have welcomed kids uh, who are five, six, seven, eight years old um, and uh, are, are wrestling with just new realities and new homes and the challenges there. I just pray for grace for our families, that as those, as people extend love to children and create these small little communities called families that you would be the center and that you would, you would give the gift of strength and wisdom to parents in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, bro. Uh, another thing that happens in a community is um, we, we welcome new life in and we, uh, we grieve those who have moved on, um, those who have passed on. And uh, we had two that helped us start the church, um, Bill and Mary, married couple, Bill and Mary Ferris, who uh, both died this year. Or frankly, uh, and I only do this because it sounds, still sounds weird to us, but in, in the New Testament, they just refer to those who have died in the faith as those who have fallen asleep. So, you know, two have fallen asleep. Uh, in, in other words, two have, have continued to live, we believe, according to Scripture, uh, in the presence of God. Um, but they're not here in the same way, and so we miss them, and we grieve their, um, we grieve their, their passing. And, um, and I wanted to invite any of you who have lost a family member or a close friend to stand up this morning. We want to honor them in this way. We'd love to pray for you as you um, continue to, as you look back over the year and think, well, that was one thing that happened. That was a big thing that happened. Yeah. Um, we just really honor uh, the, the journey that you are on through pain and grief and and I hope that you feel like your worship and this space welcomes pain and that you don't have to put on a, 
a false front, but that this is a place where real life can happen, even grief. Would you name the person and your relationship to them uh, just briefly, and then we'll pray? Great. Thank you, Daryl. Great. Thank you, Ken. Levi? Good. Thank you, Levi. Yeah, yeah. God bless you both. Your parents in the same year. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. John? Yep, amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God bless you. Your little brother. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Grief doesn't really stop, huh? Yeah, still miss. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Good. God bless you. Thank you. Greg? Brother Jim. Yeah. God bless your brother. Cody? Okay. Good. God bless you. Amen. It's a lot of loss, huh? A lot of loss. Find somebody close to you and pray for them. Let's pray together. Put your hand on them if you want. You can just pray specifically for them if you like. So Lord, we lift up each of these who can name somebody that they've lost in the last year or or longer ago in some cases, but uh, it's still a a formational reality. Um, Pray for grace to embrace hope. Courage to keep going. May anything good that was demonstrated through the lives of those that we love and lost be held onto in our memories, and may we live that out. May their, um, may their story continue. May their investment in our lives continue to bear fruit as we're inspired by what was good and give us grace to let go of the things that were hard, the hurt, not to ignore those things, but to forgive and to move on. I pray for grace, Lord, that we somehow could be better and stronger because of these who, who we've loved. And may your mercy extend to them. And may the hope of salvation be theirs. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. I'm really thankful for the team that God has given us uh, here in the church as a staff. Um, As I mentioned, I I rarely feel alone in this work, and I really am so grateful for this staff team that we have. Just as, uh, in case you're new with us, um, let's see, I'll start on this side. Uh, Rich is with us full-time as the executive director. Sandy is front and center. She was reading this morning, and she's also full-time as our community pastor. And I've served with these two for five, six years with Rich and longer um, with Sandy, and it's just a blessing. Daryl's leading worship today. He's part-time with us. Julie, I've mentioned already, and and Angela, I've mentioned already. Those three are part-time with us. I'll share some more news with you in a few minutes uh, regarding our staff. Rick was volunteering with our middle school ministry for several years, I think two, um, and he was offered a full-time position at a church in Sacramento that's just a perfect fit for him, and so 
it was with a lot of joy that we celebrated his being able to move into that role. Um, and so we're grateful for his service as well. So would you guys just uh, say thanks to the staff team that we have? It's just such a great team. I thank you for it. Good. All right. Um, so Psalm 95 begins with praise, begins with gratitude, continues with the acknowledgement that uh, God has been good, God has cared. It ends with this really strong challenge. And so I want to focus our attention there just for a few minutes. At the end of verse 7, all the way down at the bottom of the page here, it says, Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. And they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. It's really interesting. The first half of the psalm is the voice of the psalmist, the writer, the praying person. And then that voice becomes sort of a prophetic voice and actually becomes the voice of God, uh, which is a challenge. Um, and it's... And it's references this really interesting story, way back ancient story in Exodus 17, which I'll just read quickly. Um, this Meribah and Massa, I don't know if that's familiar language to many of you. This is the story to which it's referring. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick, I'm going to name a date. Like, don't screw up like you did, you know, or don't repeat this event that happened at, you know, Dallas or whatever. Um, and we all know what it means. We don't know what Meribah and Massa means, but this is, what it, this is what he's referring to. This is on page 50, if you took the Bible that we handed out. Exodus chapter 17. This is just months after the people of Israel, maybe weeks after the people of Israel have, have been um, freed from slavery to Egypt, where they were for 400 years, and now they're wandering in the desert, and Moses is their leader. It says this, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling with, from place to place, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. That's the problem. So they quarreled with Moses, and they said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go, that was a river, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled. That's what one of those words means. And because they tested the Lord, which is what the other word means, saying, and here's my point, and it's the point of the story, I believe. Here's, here's what they said. Is the Lord among us or not? So he's like, don't be like those guys who had just experienced amazing provision and deliverance by the hand of God, 
And then get a little thirsty, which isn't a minor thing, I guess, but the point is, then have some sort of uh, adversity and are like, oh my gosh, is God with us or not? Don't be like those guys. That's, that's, what, this is, that's what this psalm is, is saying. The writer's saying, praise the Lord, thank him for what he's done, and get a little perspective. Remember all the good things that have happened for us, over, even just over the last year. Or remember the hard things that have happened. And you know what? You're here today, and, and you're, you're okay, and God's been with you, and he's sustained you, even maybe through some of your hardest days. Remember that. Why? So that today you will listen and obey. That's why. That's why it's important to remember the past, so that today you will not complain, you will not argue, you will not wonder, is God with us? Don't wonder that. It's not that it's not a fair question. It's that you don't need to stay stuck in that, uh, is he here or not? Because look at what he's done in the past. Look at his faithfulness to you in the past. In other words, forgetting what God has done, forgetting the ways that God has provided for you, it's not just an unfortunate thing. Uh, It can be a devastating thing. There are real consequences when a heart goes astray, to quote God in the psalm. There can be real consequences for forgetting. It's not like, oh, that's too bad that you forgot. Like when you forget you know, that cute thing your kid said when they were three, that's too bad. This isn't that kind of thing. This is like, it's devastating to forget. Israel's failure to remember God's goodness in the past in order to remain faithful to God in the present has a devastating and tragic effect on the people in the future. Did you follow that? Their failure to remember his faithfulness in the past, it, it changes the way they relate to God here in the present, and that makes a difference in the future. And it's a devastating difference. What is the difference? They don't enter God's rest. That's what it says. And that's, the people didn't enter the promised land. Even Moses didn't enter the promised land, which is hard for me to believe. It's hard for me to accept. Put simply, they did not realize God's plan for their life. That's what happened. They didn't realize the fullness of God. It doesn't mean that he left them. It just means they didn't realize the fullness of what he wanted to give to them. God will continue to, um, to challenge us. And the reason that we remember, and I think it's important for us to remember and acknowledge what God has done in the past, is not so we can go, look at how amazing we are, right? It's not so that we can be like the... the the football player who hasn't been a football player for 40 years, but he's still talking about how awesome he was when he was a football player. I want to make sure I'm not talking about myself right there. Um, (laughs) Right? We don't want to be like that because the point is not remember how awesome it was back in the good old days. That's never the reason that the the Bible tells us to remember. What the reason for the, the biblical instructor's instruction to remember is to obey now. Our remembering God's faithfulness in the past is what will fuel faith right now, right? It's not just like, remember that? Wasn't that awesome? And remember, or hope for the future? The whole thing is like, and today, if you hear his voice, right? Be be encouraged. I'm afraid, right? So remember that and, and learn a lesson and don't be like Mass and Meribah, Right? And, and step in obedience into the will of God. Right here, right now, today is why it matters. Right? And, and, 
as we step into tomorrow and the next year in our church life together, I know that God's going to continue to stretch us. He's going to continue to provide for us. He's going to continue to, to challenge us and grow us. Um, and the reason I'm confident about that is, A, it's what God does, and B, we've embraced this call, which we believe is from God, to be a church of restoration, which means that our first step forward is going to almost always be into a mess, uh, which we are engaging in order to restore. We're going to step into pain. That will be our first step. We're going to step into brokenness. We will intentionally engage areas where things are not going well um, because we're called, we believe, to do restorative work. So several of you, frankly, have, in, have uh, I don't know, I mean, you I'm not seeing anyone right now, but I've received, maybe it's the holidays, but several from our community have emailed and have called me over the last two weeks with really hard realities. And what I'm saying is it's going to get harder before it gets better. It will, because you have already chosen to step into the pain. You're not ignoring it anymore. Isn't that awesome? It feels terrible, but, you, but it's good because you've stepped into the pain and now we're going to join you there and we're going to engage in this in order to do the restorative work that, 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 can, that can happen. Uh, when people of God get that vision and God gave that vision to us last year and, and that's what we're going to be about. Um, and, and so as we move into... 2018, may we remember God's faithfulness to us in 2017 so that we have faith and courage in 2018 to really continue to work for wholeness and restoration and healing of marriages, uh, of, of broken hearts, um, of, of situations that are desperately lacking justice and, and need to be engaged and called out. May we continue to try to address brokenness in our world, in our city, in our families, in our own lives, that all that selfish junk that still happens inside. All right, so as we look forward, there's just two things I want to mention quickly. Um, two big things that are, there's so many things that I could tell you, tell you that I'm excited about for this next year, but I'm going to focus it on just two. One is a call towards discipleship, uh, which has always been the heartbeat of the church. It has not been a real strength of our church at times. It's challenging, right, to really grow in steady progression towards the image of Christ. Our home groups are a big effort to um, encourage people to grow in maturity in Christ. The classes that we offer are another effort that we put a lot of energy in to try to give people practical ways to grow into maturity as followers of Christ. Uh, a specific class slash home group that we're getting ready to start in the new year is around this book Waymarking that Angela and I uh, put together over the fall. Um, for 10 years or so, families in our church have come alongside one another, especially families with a preteen aged kid, and have helped them through a process of getting connected with a mentor and establishing a rite of passage experience. Our culture is devoid of healthy rites of passage. Most of us, or most of our culture, I should say, view as sort of this is when you become an adult uh, around issues like, you know, getting smashed for the first time or maybe getting your driver's license or a sexual experience or something like that. It's like, well, now, you're, now you've arrived. If, if, if we don't understand what it means to be an adult, our kids certainly aren't going to understand uh, what it means to be an adult. And so it was out of that sort of, uh, you know, 
um, discomfort, that, that sense of irritation, or more than an irritation, like, a, man, this is, not the, this is not right, that we, we thought, let's put together uh, a little resource. So the first half of the book is about vision, words, and actions. And that applies to everybody, especially every parent, no matter if your kid's 13 or 30. The power of your vision, the power of your words, and the power of your actions. And then the second half of the book is a real practical how to do, how to put together a structured rite of passage or formalized sort of experience, customizable but structured experience through which a child can learn what it means to be an adult and how to step into early adulthood. So uh, I offer that book to, to you with a lot of excitement. And in the next few weeks, we'll be contacting families with kids who are 11, 12, 13 years old and inviting you into an experience for 2018 where you can join with other families in a similar stage in life um, in, uh, in providing some support for our kids at this really critical stage in their development. So it's discipleship focused on kids. That's one of the things I'm really excited about as we move forward. Second thing I'm really excited about as we move forward is uh, our ongoing effort to, um, to do restorative work in the lives of the most vulnerable kids in our city. I want to invite Carlos to join me up here, invite Angela to join me as well. As many of you know, uh, we started a couple years ago, we partnered with a group called the Axiom Project, uh, which has a youth center in Oroville, and we started a youth center here in Lincoln. And uh, that was two years ago in August, right? Yep. And uh, it was a, it's been a really powerful and meaningful effort of ours. Uh, I feel like it's some of the best work we've ever done. And, the, and you can go ahead and go to the next slide, uh, Ryan, thanks. Um, in, uh, in the challenge of starting a youth center in Lincoln, where several had been attempted before and had not succeeded, partnering with an established organization like the Axiom was a real strength of ours. Uh, it was a strength to us. It was a benefit to us. They were a huge help to us. Uh, as we matured and sort of stood up as an organization here in Lincoln, we felt like uh, from a stewardship perspective, from an effectiveness perspective, uh, we could do better by embracing that center as a ministry of the church. And so that's a decision that we made in August and have been working out the nuts and bolts and the details of all fall. And uh, we're super thankful for the, the work of the Axiom, and we're also really excited to be able to announce that the Axiom is now the foundry, and it'll be a youth center in Lincoln, just fiercely focused on the local needs of, of our town. And it will be uh, the responsibility of our church. We have always been the biggest financial backer of the youth center, and we've always been the source of the most volunteer support. Uh, now we're just taking that to another level, and we're fully enveloping it. As a, as, a, as a ministry of the church. So that covers <clears throat> pretty much the why, mm -hmm. and we talked a little bit about how it originally started. Um, I'm going to share with you guys the vision and the mission of us going forward, and how is it different. So I wanted to start with our new mission statement. It's beautiful, Sweet. shiny. Nate and I worked on a whiteboard together, and we pulled it off. So <clears throat> it is the foundry forging character and compassion in Lincoln's youth through service and mentorship. Um, I'm reminded of something that I didn't get to share with the first group and uh, how important um, the service and mentorship is to developing character and compassion in our young people. Yeah. Um, I know that you guys have met some of the students that I get to work with. 
Uh, some of them come to church now. Um, and you guys, if you met them early on and you, you see them today, uh, you see the amazing growth. Um, and it's through them discovering their hometown pride and focusing on helping others and slowly growing on their own. So I wanted to share that. <clears throat> how are we different? Um, everybody who knows me knows how nerdy I am. Um, and this is always my opportunity to make an analogy in which I'm Batman. Good. And so I was Batman in this situation. I was running around, jumping from building to building. Um, and now I have a Justice League. I have walked into a room with support where I'm like, these people don't just have a belt. These people have superpowers. Um, so if <laughs> it's a blessing to work with Rich Lester. I have no idea where he is. He's probably in the walls or somewhere, <clears throat> but it's, ahead, it's amazing to have everybody and their strengths uh, surrounding me and supporting me uh, in, in the vision for what we have uh, to restore um, how young people grow in this town. Good. Good, good. So Angela uh, leads our high school ministry uh, called Ember, and she's also been volunteering at the Axiom at the Youth Center, which is now the Foundry, uh, all kinds of names. Um, and she's been volunteering there for a while. So talk to us, Angela, from your perspective. The Foundry is not the youth ministry. The Foundry is a neutral youth center for all kids. Um, but as a volunteer there from the church, tell us why you think this new structure is, is better. Well, first of all, from day one, having a youth center is amazing. It's just mm -hmm. beautiful. Um, I've taken pizzas to school campuses. I've done all sorts of ways to connect with youth who are not already affiliated with our church. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really work. There hasn't been any great ways. And mm -hmm. we've talked about living missionally this year mm -hmm. at Emmaus. And I got to tell you, the Foundry is the biggest place to live missionally for me right now. Mm -hmm. I can play poker with kids. I, <laughs> um, I do all of these crazy things. And then a couple like months down the road, like some, one of the students will be who's been sharing his life telling me all, everything about his life, will be like, wait, they said you're a pastor. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. So, it, and, but it doesn't change my relationship with them because they've gotten to know me first in this safe place. Yeah. And now they're like, huh, that's interesting. Okay, okay. And then they go on, and sometimes they've started to stay for dinner. Mm -hmm. And they've started to say, okay, I'm staying for dinner tonight. Maybe I'll leave before a youth group starts. But then a lot of times... They've been staying longer because they want to know why, what's going on with these Christians. They call us the Christians. Sometimes they say things like, those Christians are nice and just really are perplexed about the entire thing. So that's how, that's how much I love having a youth center. That's why it's so good. It's this great place. It's, we're breaking ground there. It, the harvest is there, but we have to break the ground first, and we are going to them. We're not asking them to come to us, which has been so vital. Um, and... With having Carlos now, we were good, and I think we're just getting better now because we're not so compartmentalized. We're integrated. Right. Carlos has been able to do things like he organizes a group called The, um, the Table. It's a group, a group of youth pastors in our area, and we come together, not about our church or their church, but about how to um, create restoration in our community together, yeah. and it's just been beautiful. Yeah. So all of those things are coming in because... We're doing this together in a new way, in a more powerful way. That's great. That's well said. Thanks. Yeah, so Carlos is now um, uh, serving on the staff of our church, and we're actually able to run the youth center 
at a lower cost than we could before, and we're getting uh, more of an impact with the dollars that are so, so sacrificially given to the, the foundry. So moving forward, uh, if you choose to support the foundry, you can, continue, you can write a check to the foundry. And anybody in the city or beyond who's interested in supporting a youth center can write a check to the foundry, and the money goes to the foundry, to the youth center. You can also write a check to Emmaus and indicate that this money is supposed to be used at the foundry, right? So either way works, but uh, it enables us to, we think, just make a, a bigger impact to use the, the well-oiled systems that we have in the church and uh, focus that e efficiency towards the work that's happening there at the youth center. So we're really excited about it and feel like it's going to be some of our best work uh, moving forward in 2018. Amen. If you have any questions, please talk to Carlos, Rich, myself, any of the staff will be able to, because there were several questions in the first gathering. I anticipate others. Uh, hopefully that was clear. Let me just conclude by saying that this, we're at the end of a season and the beginning of another, right? And, and we do so uh, with this awareness that um, Christ has been with us. We enter into this, this change, this end of one and beginning of another with this awareness that Christ has been with us, with this hope that Christ will be with us in the future, and, but this, hopefully with this deep awareness that Christ is with us here now. He is with us here and now. And I hope that within your own contexts, your own families, your own lives, your own challenges, that you also will be able to recognize God has been with me. He has. He's been with me. And I believe he'll be with me in the future. And probably the most important piece of that is, and I will embrace that he is with me now. He's here with me now. And I will trust him now. And I will obey him now. And I will follow him now. So may you walk in God's goodness and his peace today. Amen. Amen? Today. Let's pray together. So grateful for this church, Lord. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be a part of it. really honor all of the stories that are represented here, the challenges and the loss and the joys and the development, that it's all the stories that we could tell. And I pray that we'd submit it all to you, that doing so would cause us to be filled with faith and courage. And we look to you, Lord, to continue to guide us into the future. Please give us the grace that we need to walk with you. We trust that you will carry us forward. So we say yes to you again as this year transitions to the next. Uh, may you find us saying yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.